Welcome to the nationally syndicated In the Oil Patch radio show with Kim Bellotto, broadcasting from the Port of Corpus Christi studios. Get more on the Port of Corpus Christi at portofcc.com. In the Oil Patch radio show will give you an inside look at the oil, gas, and energy industry and how it affects you from industry experts and government officials right here on the In the Oil Patch radio show. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. We're going to be joined by Ann Bradbury, who is the president and CEO of the American Exploration and Production Council. It's a great association located in Washington, D.C. And, you know, with all the regulations that are going on with the Biden administration and all of these agencies, EPA, Waters Over America, it's really important to have a great association, have their finger on the pulse, if you will, of what's happening with our elected officials and our lawmakers and help them, most importantly, understand how their bills that they pass affect not just the energy industry as a whole, but also how they affect the American people and their policies. So we were excited to catch up with Anne. And I'd love for you to go and read all about the association and what they're working on to give you insights of what you can expect for the future. If you go to shellmag.com, again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com, you can read all about Anne and what they are doing, again, to help our elected officials make better decisions when it comes down to regulations. And, you know, here in Texas, Texas blacklisted BlackRock. USB, and other financial firms over alleged energy boycotts. You guys might remember that Texas and, of course, Governor Abbott said that they were not going to allow these financial, um, these financial institutions to uh, stop funding oil and gas because they are in oil and gas. This move could lead to state pensions and other public entities to sell shareholders' holdings in these companies. So Texas Comptroller Glenn Hager on Wednesday published a list of 10 financial companies and nearly 350 investment funds and exercised mandates under the state law, meaning that they will punish Wall Street banks that are going to punish the oil and gas industry for their green image by turning away our oil and gas folks. The law that took effect, took effect in September of 2021 requires our comptroller, Mr. Hagard, to name these financial institutions that in his judgment refuse to do business with these energy companies and potentially divest them from government entities that would require um, for them to actually sell these assets. Um, In addition to the banks and fund managers, Texas also identified specific funds that could be subjected to state mandate sales, including funds that were controlled by investment powerhouses like we all know, Fidelity Investment and Vanguard Group. Now, Texas is one of the states that is the most or is somewhat conservative leaning in the way how they look at public purse and they are pushing back against what we all know to be the ESG, which stands for environmental, social, and governance. This movement is pretty important because it's actually setting the bar 
of what states are going to allow this to happen and which ones will not. And Texas obviously isn't going to stand for these Wall Street bankers to boycott our energy industry. And for that, I say good for them. Because, you know, energy is a mainstay in this state. It's important to our overall uh, economy for the state of Texas. And thank goodness, Governor Abbott, along with Texas Comptroller Glenn Hager on Wednesday, published this list. And um, it's a pretty interesting read. Uh, these companies will no longer be able to turn a blind eye on our oil and gas folks. So what does this mean? Here's the deal. Under the law, listed companies and funds will get a warning. If they continue to participate in what Texas deems a boycott of energy companies, state-controlled entities could be forced to sell their shares. Now, the law would require for this divestment to take place over time and provide a carve-out so the state doesn't lose money. Well, we don't want to lose money because of something they're doing. It also uh, has Texas maintaining several blacklists of entities marked for scrutiny under the state divestment law. Apart from banks and funds, this boycott of energy companies, it could also target companies with ties to Iran, Sudan, and foreign terrorist countries, along with companies that boycotted Israel. So this is getting pretty serious, if you ask me, as far as what Texas is going to accept and not accept in this state when you talk about messing with our oil and gas folks and our economy. Just to help you to understand how this would affect the state, here are some of the examples. The Texas Retirement System of Texas, which provides benefits, uh, retirement benefits for state public schools, colleges, and university, their employees, they hold about $201 billion in assets um, as of the end of August 2021. So these companies could potentially lose a lot because they would have to sell off those shares. Um, and that's a whole lot of money for them to be having to sell. TRS holds about $28.2 million worth of BlackRock shares. This is according to S&P Global Market Intelligence, a data provider. That figure is dwarfed by the asset manager's market capitalization of approximately $105 billion. This is huge, and therefore, uh, hopefully Wall Street takes a second look at um, Texas and realize this, this is not the state that you want to mess with when it comes to oil and gas. And of course, in defense of them, they are claiming to our comptroller that they did nothing wrong and that they are investing in oil and gas companies. Now they're going to have to prove it, right? I'm going to switch gears and now talk about the most prolific basin in North America, and that is our good folks in the Permian Basin. Now, according to the Energy Information Administration predicted in its productivity report earlier this month that the Permian would reach a record high of 54.8 million barrels a day in crude in September. And that's a gain, folks, of 79,000 barrels a day. And that's a whole lot of barrels. So who are the operators that are making this increase? Well, let's start with both Chevron and ExxonMobil guided double-digit growths in this year in Permian. They're also aiming to double-digit compound their annual growth rate over the next four to five years. Now, the private operators in particular have increased their share of rig activities, too, in the basin to about 20%. Now, that's pre-COVID, which was about 50% as of today. Now, 
Some of the independents like Devon and EOG are also growing their Permian Basin assets, even though at the corporate level, they have guided to be flat in the low single-digit growth. They have also given increase in capital allocation for the Permian as a percentage of their total outlay. This is all good. And for the smaller independents like Continental Resource Development, High Peak, and Matador, they are also on a path to outgrow um, their projections in the Permian by 10%. This is all good news, folks, and we're going to see a lot more activity in this coming year uh, for the Permian Basin. I'd like to also remind you of two events that we will be attending in the Oil Patch Radio Show with a live studio. That is going to be the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers in Fort Worth, our good friends, Jason Modlin, who is a energy expert on our show regularly. Um, their event is scheduled to go off September 14th and 15th. For more information, please visit their website, and we look forward to seeing you in Fort Worth. And also, our good friends at the Gulf Coast Industry Forum event set for September 22nd. For more information, please visit shellmag.com. There's information on both of these events, and we look forward to seeing you at these events. And if you are there, please be sure to stop by our studio and say hi. Coming up, we will be joined by Ann Bradbury, the president of the American Exploration and Production Council. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Here's today's Energy Minute, brought to you in part by the Port of Corpus Christi and ShaleMag.com. We are facing a global energy crisis with U.S. energy security and our allies' energy security being put to the test. Record prices in Europe mean every day businesses and households are choosing between high costs for energy and everyday essentials. The fact is, our world needs more energy, not less. Energy costs have increased over 40% in the past 12 months in the United States, creating a serious strain on American families. New data also shows one in six American households are behind on their utility bills. Congress took action on energy in the Inflation Reduction Act. But overall, it seems like a missed opportunity to tackle permitting reform that will increase our overall energy resources. I'm Jason Modulin, president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, and that's your Energy Minute. Listen to In the Oil Patch Radio Sundays at 8 p.m. on News Radio 740 KTRH and simulcast on the iHeartRadio app. And keep up with the oil and gas industry online at shalemag.com. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers invites you to their annual conference on September 14th and 15th at the Hotel Drover in Fort Worth, Texas. The event will feature author and energy expert Alex Epstein during the industry luncheon on September 15th. It's the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers annual conference, September 14th and 15th in Fort Worth, Texas. For tickets and hotel reservation information, go to texasalliance.org. That's texasalliance.org. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210 210- Four seven one one nine two three, and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. 
Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media and search engine optimization all of these areas really affect how google ranks your entire listing so if ranking on page one is your goal pick up the phone and call us now 210-240-7188 or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile we'll be in contact with you within 24 hours once again pick up the phone and call us now 210-240-7188 or simply go to shalemag.com that's s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g.com slash business profile start dealing with a company you can trust and always find farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard that's why yamaha makes the viking an all-new viking 6 the world's first true three and six person utvs assembled in america Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source Side-by-Side Owner Study. And now it's time for me to welcome my guest, Anne Bradbury, who is the CEO of American Exploration and Production Council. And welcome back to In the Old Patch Radio Show. Thanks, Kim. Great to see you. Well, I want to tell our listeners that we just concluded an event that you um, were the keynote speaker in San Antonio, Texas, which was our annual state of energy. And thank you for, first of all, agreeing to be the keynote, but also all of the enlightening stuff that you told the group about what your organization is working on. So I want to begin by backing up a little bit. We're going to talk about the new uh, Inflation Reduction Act that we just passed that President Biden signed into law uh, later on in the show. But I want to back up and just talk to you a little bit about State of Energy San Antonio. First of all, for our listeners who are new, tell us about your organization and what you guys, your core mission is. Absolutely. So um, AXPC represents the large upstream uh, producers in the United States. Our focus is onshore um, and our focus is upstream. And we advocate in Washington on behalf of our member companies for policies that will support domestic production of oil and gas now and into the future. And we remind them of the importance of the American shale revolution and all of the benefits that the shale revolution has provided to this country and the need to continue with policies that will support domestic production now and going forward. I I can't think of any other time in history when your organizations like what you guys do is important, especially when you think about how legislators are actually signing in bills and laws, and that's not their forte, their background to understand how these things will implement them uh, or how it'll affect the United States uh, of America and its population, its people. So it's good that you guys are there advocating. Um, Let's jump into the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, A lot of the organizations, there were 60 of you guys that signed a letter signing off um, that you guys weren't too happy with 
um, a lot of what was in this piece of legislation. It actually falls short of addressing the long-term energy needs. This is according to uh, API. Um, so, so, so tell me a little bit about y'all's stance. Where do you think um, Congress, where is this bill lining up pertaining to oil and gas? Who are the winners? Who are the losers? of the bill, um, and I believe is it slanting a lot towards, we're gonna get into this, the, the uh, clean energy, the large operators, and then the small independents. So let's start breaking that down. Great. What so, are you, the overall bill? Yeah, so, so big picture, I'll say, you know, this bill evolved over, you know, roughly 18 months. And um, it, uh, it evolved in a way that is certainly less bad than where it started. And I think we should acknowledge that. But when we looked at the bill on balance, it still does more harm than good for American oil and gas producers. So a um, couple sort of broad outlines, it raises about $300 billion in new corporate taxes. Uh, this includes a new minimum book tax uh, of 15% that will hit um, many of my companies and a 1% tax on stock buybacks um, which will also be impact a lot of large public companies. Um, and, you know, these, these are tools that, you know, a stock buyback is a tool that's used to, you know, bring in new capital to, uh, to the industry, which is, which is much needed now. Um, it also includes a, uh, methane tax, um, on mm -hmm. methane emissions throughout the value chain that are over a certain threshold. Um, and, uh, you know, the concern is that this tax on, on top of the new EPA regulation of methane, on top of the new EPA uh, or, or coming revisions to subpart W um, is yet another tax on American energy producers and one that creates a great deal of uncertainty around who is going to be hit by this tax and by how much. I should say, you know, it also um, contains, you know, it, it spends about, you know, $380 million, excuse me, billion dollars on, um, in, on incentives and subsidies for renewable energy, such as wind and solar for the purchase of electric vehicles, um, a new fund for environmental justice communities. Um, and so, you know, clearly it's, you know, tilted uh, towards, you know, certain forms of energy, um, not towards, you know, oil and gas production. In looking at the, the taxes, as you mentioned, so operators already spend a whole lot of money in just regulatory taxes to begin with. Right. And this is going to add more uh, to that. How do you see in the winners and the losers, um, something that was a little uh, obvious in many ways was the large uh, oil operators, the Exxons and Shell were relatively quiet to this bill and seemed that they were okay. A lot maybe had to do with carbon tax, which we're going to get into that, uh, carbon capture. But it, we're going to... I'm also curious to see how the small operators, how they're going to handle and maneuver through this new set of taxes versus the large operators, because we know that the large operators have been just raking in cash. And that's not a bad thing. I'm not trying to make it seem like it's a bad thing, but they're better equipped to be able to handle these taxes. And, and there's a lot of incentives in there for them. What's in it for the little guy? But we're going to take a quick break. What is going to be the end result for the consumer to us? Um, and what will we see happening? So let's take a quick break. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back.
The annual AAPA Conference and Expo is coming up in Orlando, Florida, October 16th through the 19th as seaport leaders and marine professionals will gather for networking, technical, and policy sessions. As the seaport's main event of the year, the AAPA Conference and Expo will provide access to the industry's top decision makers, professionals, and experts. If you or your company are interested in sponsoring this year's event, contact Kevin Traver at ktraver at aapaports.org. That's K. Traver at aapaports.org. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three and six person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit yamahaviking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side owner study. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media and search engine optimization all of these areas really affect how google ranks your entire listing so if ranking on page one is your goal pick up the phone and call us now 210-240-7188 or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile we'll be in contact with you within 24 hours once again pick up the phone and call us now 210-240-7188 or simply go to shalemag.com that's s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g.com slash business profile start dealing with a company you can trust and always find And we're back. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Ann Bradbury, the CEO of American Exploration and Production Council. And before the break, we were discussing the taxes that are in this new inflation reduction bill um, and how an operator, an EMP, Exploration and Production Company, is going to deal with this. And obviously, uh, if you make more money, you're better equipped to handle the taxes that are coming down the road. Uh, the large operators, Exxon, Shell, Chevron, nothing wrong with it. They were a little bit silent on this. They were okay with it. But the, the smaller operators are the ones who are really going to feel the pain. And are we going to feel the pain in what ways as the consumer? Talk to me about what you see the, the smaller operators, how they're going to maneuver through this new uh, piece of legislation. Absolutely. It's a great question, Kim. And I think your your point is a good one because, you know, we saw a lot of different reactions from uh, companies on this piece of legislation because the policies in it hit different companies differently, if that makes sense. So not every operator is impacted by the minimum book tax, but many are. Um, I will say one improvement that they did make was in raising the threshold um, on the methane tax to make it consistent with subpart W reporting. So if you are, um, if your production is 
beneath the threshold that you don't report your subpart W emissions, then you're beneath the threshold to be hit by this tax. So that was one of the areas of improvement that we saw, but this still is gonna impact a lot of small operators. And it's important to keep in mind that EPA is revising their subpart W requirements. And so they have a lot of authority to then, you know, to change those subpart W uh, reporting factors in a way that will pull in more operators in the future simply by regulation, not by legislation. Um, and so, you know, it, 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 it just creates sort of a, a lot of uncertainty for, for producers, um, both large and small, in terms of how this uh, methane tax will impact them. And, you know, this is happening at the same time that the EPA is finalizing its methane regulation, which is a totally different set of rules that small operators are going to have to follow. So there's going to be a lot of money that needs to be spent on pneumatics and LDAR and that sort of thing um, that is totally separate from this new methane tax. So the costs are really adding up for smaller producers, unfortunately. Well, let's switch gears and talk about the reason why Joe Manchin, uh, this was a, another version, smaller version of the Build Back Better bill that they wanted to pass, the Democrat Party, didn't go through. Joe Manchin was the key that stopped it and prohibited. And, he, you know, reports say, media reports, that he was wooed into changing his mind due to potentially looking at some reform for pipeline and addressing the reform there. My understanding is that that really um it it is supposed to happen but we have 74 senators right now the democrat party that are opposed to it so where get us up to speed on what is happening did it really hit reform and pipeline that you think is going to go through or is this again just going to fizzle out before it actually starts really heading into uh pipeline reform which is absolutely necessary to address the infrastructure issues we have here in the united states with our energy policies yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I will say, you know, Senator Manchin is correct that permitting reform is needed for certainly for oil and gas pipelines, but also for some of the uh, renewables that the environmentalists like and want as well. Um, however, you know, this this agreement on permitting reform uh, was an agreement between three people, Senator Manchin, uh, Leader uh, Schumer and Speaker Pelosi, and um, many Democrats and all Republicans were left out of these discussions. And so it is very unclear, uh, two things are unclear. Number one is very unclear where the votes are on this particular um, concept that they have um, agreed to. And number two, no one has seen final legislative text on this either. So just how meaningful uh, this you know, permitting reform will be in terms of uh, ensuring that new pipelines are built is really uh, is is still very much an open question. Well, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to get back on the topic of the Inflation Reduction Act. You're listening to an Old Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hey, when you're in business, you have to make a lot of tough choices. So let's talk about an easy one, your workers' comp coverage. If you're a propane or butane dealer or operator, 
you need to join the Lone Star Energy Safety Group through Texas Mutual Insurance Company. As a member, you'll automatically get a discount on your premium, plus you can earn double dividends that will go straight into your pocket. It's the easiest decision you'll ever make. Find out more at TexasMutual.com slash Lone Star Energy. And we're back. My guest today is Anne Bradbury, the CEO of American Exploration and Production Council. And before the break, we were talking about the Inflation Reduction Act bill that passed. And we were discussing specifically, was there enough reform done into the pipeline and infrastructure? Now, according to the 60 associations, your association being one, you guys signed a letter saying, good start, not nearly enough to really develop all of the infrastructure needs that we really you know, need to have. Um, what in the bill though, let's switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about who are the winners. We saw a lot of green energy. This is um, probably, I guess if Biden is gonna go down in history for something, it is going to be the president who really pushed uh, the pedal to the metal, if you will, in uh, bringing in green energy to compete uh, against oil and gas. And we're also seeing a lot of the operators, especially larger ones, looking and liking something pertaining to carbon capture, and also we're seeing them move into EVs, electric vehicles. So talk to me about that. Who are the winners? Um, how much green was really included in here? And how does that kind of affect the energy industry as we see them going into this energy transition? Yep. <clears throat> so certainly the winners were, you know, by and large, the renewable industry, wind, solar, electric vehicle <clears throat> manufacturers, domestic, excuse me, domestic electric vehicle manufacturers in particular. Um, so those were the clear winners. Um, I will say if you know you are an oil and gas company with where CCUS is a big part of your business or you anticipate it being a big part of your business. It's a carbon capture. Yep, carbon capture utilization and sequestration. Um, there's a part of the tax code that incentivizes that to try to make that more economical, uh, which is called 45Q. And the 45Q tax credit for CCS carbon capture um, was much improved. It got it got a little bit um, enhanced in terms of the value of it. It also um, uh, extended the time period by which these projects had to begin because a lot of them are just in their in their infancy um, and it made it a direct pay tax credit which makes it easier for companies to recoup um, in terms of how um, how companies um, sort of get receive the value of it um, so if again if you're if you're a company that you know is 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 doing CCUS um, and or has that as a big part of your business model looking ahead, then that was that was a big win uh, for those companies. I'll also say on the federal leasing side, there were some improvements as well. Certainly uh, there were some offshore leases that were mandated essentially. And then for onshore leases, the legislation essentially says that if you're gonna lease onshore federal lands, for things like wind and solar, you have to be giving parity for oil and gas. So it incentivizes the DOI to be 
leasing federal land for the purpose of oil and gas if they also, as you know, we know they do, intend to be leasing for wind and solar purposes. Now, I'll just note that it is you know, DOI has a statutory requirement to be offering land up for leases. Uh, so we're gratified that this was in there, um, but it also is essentially asking them to follow the law, uh, which is already on the books. What about, um, there was a provision in there as well, talking about batteries now, specifically for EVs, trying to push the batteries forward. And that they had to, uh, there wasn't as much regulatory oversight as there has been in the past, especially when we're talking about with utility companies and things like that. With such a shortage in like copper, lithium, cobalt for these batteries, do you think that this is this a good thing or a bad thing with them trying to push forward when we haven't even really solved the world's problem on these critical minerals? And there was something in, there's also protection for these critical minerals as well. Are you familiar with that area there? Can you talk to us about how that is supposed to work out? Because that was mind boggling to me. I'm like, we already have a problem. <laughs> this uh, seems to, it seems like it's going to make it a little bit worse. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of supply chain bottlenecks and supply chain risks that, um, you know, the, the EV uh, world and the, you know, the wind and solar folks uh, have as a major challenge. And I'm not as familiar with the policies in this area as I am with the oil and gas specific stuff. But as I recall, there's some language in there to try to shore up uh, the supply chain for batteries um, and to also um, move some of that manufacturing to the United States because, as you are aware, the overwhelming majority of that of the um, critical minerals for things like batteries and um, even, you know, uh, wind and solar uh, comes from China. And so, you know, as we are making ourselves more reliant on batteries, we are making ourselves more reliant on China. And so this legislation attempts to bring some of that supply chain manufacturing back to the United States. Um, I think it's, you know, very, you know, I think it's an open question whether or not they will be successful in that. Now, I know that you represent an oil and gas association, and some of your members are some of the largest uh, oil operators here in the United States. But uh, off just a beaten path, the name seems to have also caused a lot of chatter, the Inflation Reduction uh, Act, and it doesn't seem as though it really was focusing on that as much as either oil and gas or uh, green energy. Um, and so what in there, do you, give me your thoughts on the name and does it even come close to what it's supposed to be doing pertaining to the uh, you know, Inflation Reduction Act? No, the name is just a name. It's a great question, Kim. You know, in Washington, you know, we can call a bill by anything we want, uh, you know, it to be, and it doesn't necessarily mean that that is, you know, descriptive of the policy in the bill. Uh, most of the analyses that I have seen, uh, independent analyses, not partisan analyses, have said that this bill will have, at best, a neutral impact on inflation um, to slightly um, 
uh, increase inflation. So somewhere between neutral uh, to slightly inflationary. Um, so the fact that, you know, it calls itself the Inflation Reduction Act, I think is uh, some very creative thing <laughs> at best. The creative thinking at best. Yeah. Well, you, some people will buy that for sure. Uh, it sounds great. So let's take a break. When we get back, I want to drill down into, okay, so now we do have the Inflation Reduction Act. Now what? Uh, how is this going to be implemented and how much of your organization and litigation do you see coming down the pike? And then I want to kind of drill down into Texas. You just left Texas. And I want to see uh, a little bit about what you think, Texas, how closely you guys are working since you're in D.C. with our Texas operators here. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. And we'll be right back. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers invites you to their annual conference on September 14th and 15th at the Hotel Drover in Fort Worth, Texas. The event will feature author and energy expert Alex Epstein during the industry luncheon on September 15th. It's the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers annual conference, September 14th and 15th in Fort Worth, Texas. For tickets and hotel reservation information, go to texasalliance.org. That's texasalliance.org. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Ann Bradbury, the CEO of American Petroleum Exploration Council. And before the break, we, were, we really got into a lot of what was in, embedded into the Inflation Reduction Act, specifically pertaining to oil and gas operators. And uh, the other side of the coin, which was uh, the real push to really uh, push forward the green energy movement. Um, but now it's passed. It's signed into law. And your organization is specifically an educational and lobbying group for the oil and gas industry. Walk us through what happens at this point. Like where, how does this stuff start getting implemented? You mentioned earlier that the EPA is under a total revision. We know that up to date, 74 senators, Democratic senators are voting against the pipeline reform specifically. So it kind of seems like this isn't going to maybe take off in a great start. <laughs> what do you see as, an, as the president of your organization? How smooth is this going to go? What can we expect to see? Yeah, so it will take uh, the EPA and the DOI, uh, you know, months most likely to write the rules and regulations around implementing much of this law. Um, it, you know, it takes a lot of the uh, credits go through Treasury. So, you know, it's, you know, now is the time when the administration has to go to work to do a lot of this work. And so we will be very engaged in sort of the details of that practice as, you know, because, because Congress did leave a lot of the details somewhat open-ended. And so the agencies will have a lot of discretion in terms of how they interpret it. And so we'll be working very closely with them to try uh, to influence this process as it moves forward at the agency level. Right. Very important because a lot of people don't realize that they think that the devil is in the details when the bills pass. It's like, no, actually, it starts the work at that point. And if you're not following it, you can come out with an entirely different yep. scope 
in a bill than what it was originally formatted to do. Um, well, where so so you're planning on following that process? Any indication of where the EPA is going to land with some of their revisions? And then what happens if you don't get the votes in the pipeline of the, the Democratic senators that are not in line with the reform for pipeline? Where do, where does the energy industry go from there? So I think you'll start to see some uh, proposed rules on the EPA revisions in the next month or two, um, at least the first round of it. This is separate from the legislation. Um, so those are going to start to roll out soon. And then the methane regulations will likely roll out later this year. And then we'll see the regulations or the implementing language on the methane tax and what's coming out of that. So it's going to be on a rolling basis, probably starting in, in a matter of months. Um, is there something specific that the EPA is looking for that they have been wanting to bring rain in specifically that you guys are keeping an eye on? Is there something specific? So, I mean, certainly the methane regulations are a big one. And then however, they, they revise their subpart W reporting under the greenhouse gas reporting program could have significant implications for, um, you know, how companies then report their own emissions, how companies are impacted by the methane tax. So that, um, you know, the, the intent is not necessarily, the intent is to try to make those reports more accurate is what they say, but I think there's, uh, you know, there's going to be broad ranging implications from that. And then on the infrastructure package, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see what the text looks like. I will say that um, there are uh, people on the sort of environmental side that also understand the need for permitting reform for things like transmission lines and uh, wind and solar permitting that they also want to see. Um, so I think at some point there may be an opportunity for some bipartisan agreement on permitting reform. I'm not sure if now is that time or if it might come next year, but uh, permitting reform True permitting reform uh, is 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 really critical uh, for America's energy security uh, and energy deployment moving forward. Now, as we speak, we are in August, and in November we have elections, and it appears through all of the, a lot of the polling that uh, the Democrats will lose a lot of seats. If that occurs, and now the Republicans have the Senate and the House, does a lot of the stuff that's happening right now, does that actually change in any way, in a different way, uh, or is it just status quo forward? Uh, uh, because I'm assuming that we will see that change over and we'll see a change again. Is that more or less where you guys are leaning towards? Yeah, I mean, I think there, the chance of divided government next year is very high, uh, whether it's the House or the Senate. I think, you know, that is that is very likely. And what that means is to pass legislation, you're going to need both Republicans and Democrats working together, which is not what we saw on reconciliation. And even if Republicans win the Senate and the House, we're still going to have a Democrat in the White House who has to sign the bills into law. So even then, there'll need to be a little bit of bipartisan negotiation uh, to try to get the most basic of things done. But what I also think you'll see 
is if there's divided government and it's harder for Democrats to move their agenda forward on the congressional side, you're going to really see them focus more on the administration and focus on the agency level and what they can do on a regulatory level. Well, we, like I said earlier in the show, you came to Texas um, to speak at our event, State of Energy San Antonio. We are glad that you came. It introduced your group uh, and your organization to the great work you guys are doing in DC. But I understand that you are doing a lot more speaking engagements. So tell uh, our listeners a little bit about where you're going to be. And then of course, we know that we wanna keep up with what you guys are doing as well. Where can they find you guys on social media and possibly even join the association? Yeah, absolutely. So you can get all of the information um, on our website, which is axpc.org. Um, you can also sign up for action alerts and um, voter resources on our website. Uh, so I would encourage you to look at that. Uh, you can follow us on social media. I think we're axpcus. Um, uh, and so and you can find that information on our website as well. So we definitely encourage folks to stay informed uh, through our platforms uh, as well. And then I'll be in Dallas in September at the Texas Alliance for Energy Producers event. Uh, so coming back to, to Texas next month, which I'm really excited about, I'll also be in North Dakota next month uh, and be doing some Washington events as well. Well, and I look forward to seeing you in Dallas, uh, Fort Worth, and of course, hopefully in Orlando, Florida at the Ports Association um, event as well. Thank you for coming and talking to us about the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, and we look forward to having you back on the show when you guys are, can come and explain to us, now things are starting to move again, how are we going to see the implementation of this bill? Thank you for joining us. Sounds great. Thanks, Kim. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.